Hello and welcome to Master Your Coaching Biz, a podcast for rising coaches and entrepreneurs who want to design the life of their dreams and make a massive impact on the world while building an inspired, successful, and profitable business. I'm your host, Cheryl Thacker, Master Board Certified Coach, trainer, ICF Mentor Coach, international speaker, and founder of Successful Coaches Enterprise. I believe that every coach has a unique gift to present to the world, and I'm humbled that I've had the opportunity to work with hundreds of coaches and entrepreneurs on their journey to mastering their business. Join me each week as we explore all things coaching to master your business with tools, techniques, and strategies to create and market your products, get visible, make an impact, and grow your business. Listen in on interviews with leading coaches and entrepreneurs sharing their stories and best tips to teach, inspire, and empower you. Observe coaching sessions, participate in Q&A, and learn how to master your mindset to enhance your coaching skills. Are you ready to build the life and business of your dreams while doing what you love? Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode. Today I have a really cool guest with us. Um, this is Mark Mawinney and he is a lifelong entrepreneur. He helps coaches to get more clients without paid advertising, which I love. He also has a pretty cool Facebook group that I'm a part of called The Coaching Jungle. And we're gonna talk in a few minutes about that group and why it's called The Coaching Jungle. And, um, and anyway, so welcome, Mark. I'm really excited that you're here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, um, so at, let me, let me ask you, can you tell us a little bit more about what brought you like to coaching and what you've been doing over the, over the last few years? Uh, so my background is actually in real estate. I did that for about a decade right out of university and, uh, everything was going really well. I had this business that was growing by leaps and bounds and hockey stick growth. We like to say here in Canada, um, until 2009 when everything collapsed and basically it was, I was out of business, you know, and uh, went through a period of a couple of years of, I say in the wilderness, that's figuratively, not literally, but uh, some dark times. And I didn't know much about coaching really at all before that. And I got introduced to coaching during these dark times. And uh, I had help from several coaches and mentors who got me through those difficult times. And when I was ready to get back into business, I thought, what better is there a better thing to do than coaching? I did not want to do real estate. I was just burnt out from that, but I said, you know what, I'm going to start a coaching business. That's the Cliff's Notes version in a nutshell, but I launched a coaching business in early 2014 and uh, here we are today. Yeah. And what would you say, um, you know, kind of contributed to you um, really take your business really taking off and you staying in the business as a coach because i hear a lot of coaches you know they get started and they have a hard time staying in it so it's yeah. kind of one of the things that i like to talk about for my audience i think it ties back into my past life in real estate it's funny i notice a lot of similarities between real estate and coaching which you wouldn't think <laughs> but um when i got started in real estate i was 21 years old i had no money fresh out of university i looked like i was about 15 years old i looked super young uh, no contacts or certainly not contacts that were house buying or selling age. And I basically rolled out my sleeves. And for the first six months, I probably made the equivalent of third world wages back then in real estate. But I was uh, kept the faith. I thought, you know what, I'm going to just keep working away. I'm priming the pump and it's going to eventually 
happen. And sure enough, it started to really get rolling in real estate. And then uh, within a, a pretty short period of time, I was one of the top agents in my marketplace. So when I started coaching in 2014, I had that benefit of uh, the hindsight of what it took to build my past real estate business. And I said, I'm not going to expect to make a million dollars in a week. Like a lot of coaches do, they get into it thinking it's get rich quick. And everyone's telling them, oh, you can make seven figures in a month working, you know, five minutes a day. I thought <laughs> I'm going to take the same approach as I did back when I was a 21 year old whippersnapper uh, doing real estate. And uh, I did that. I just worked away at it every day. And sure enough, things started to roll. And, and eventually, uh, close to the end of that first year, they really started to roll. Uh, I'll ha have to give credit to my podcast. And you know the power of podcasting, Cheryl, because you do this one. Uh, but when I launched Natural Born Coaches in November of 2014, that made a really big difference. Um, I think that really helped with credibility, connected me with a lot of really cool folks, some big names in the space. And and I can't speak highly enough about podcasting. And with my show, now I'm up to almost 700 episodes years later. And, and I have to give credit to Natural Born Coaches for it as well. Yeah. And I love your, your um, podcast. Thank uh, you. I listen to it all the time. And um, I also love that you have this newsletter. Um, so a couple of things I want to talk with you about uh, in the show. Um, but when you first started, um, uh, what kind of, uh, what, what helped you to decide what niche you were going to go into? Because a lot of the coaches that uh, listen to the show, either they don't want to commit to a niche <laughs> or they have difficulty choosing one. Yeah. So when I first started coaching, I didn't have a niche or much of a focus. I basically said, hey, I like entrepreneurs. I think entrepreneurs don't get the credit they need or the support that they need. So I'm going to help any and all entrepreneurs, any business owners. And what I discovered in that first year was um, that was too broad. Although I, I think it's a good goal to help entrepreneurs. It was just, it was way too broad. And what I also discovered as I started getting clients is um, I had two clients who were coaches and I preferred working with them more than the people who weren't coaches that were Joe Smith from Joe's widgets and not, not to knock bricks and mortar business owners. Like I, there's a lot of people love coaching them just seemed to click more for me when I was helping those other coaches with their businesses, setting up their programs and um, helping them structure things and, and all that. And I thought it's kind of silly to, to keep a wide focus if I'm really enjoying working with a certain type of person, I'm doing well with it. So I just said, you know what, I'm only going to work with coaches and I'm gonna plant my flag in the ground and, and that's all I'll do. And so even to this day, when I get uh, people approaching me who aren't coaches, people who uh, own other businesses asking, hey, you know, can you help me or can we discuss this? I refer them off to a business coach I know that can help them. But I just say, sorry, I only work with coaches and, uh, and online coaches even more specific uh, with it. So I think that's really important is um, you have to decide who you enjoy working with, because if you're not having fun, you're not going to do well with it. And we could do a whole, God, we could talk for days about niching and everything like that. I know um, our mutual friend, Karen Capello, uh, and I just did a webinar around niching and, and she's an expert at that too. And um, yeah, it's very important to narrow your focus and not be too broad. Yeah. Okay. So you kind of realized that pretty early on. I did. Yeah. I mean, not day one, by the way, but it took, it took a little bit, but it certainly didn't take me years to do that. And I always tell people with your niche, don't, you're not picking a life partner. A lot of people put a lot of pressure on themselves and they work themselves up. If you change course or 
uh, you know, move, shift gears a little bit down the road, that's not the end of the world. People aren't going to, uh, you know, make a big deal about it. <laughs> so don't overthink it. Just get out there and, and try some different things, see who you enjoy working with and what you're getting traction with, and then go with it. All right. Awesome. So when you, uh, when you first started, were you doing mostly one-on-one -on -one coaching? Yeah, that's all I was doing. So one of the things that I've done with my business compared to a lot of other coaches, a lot of coaches I see try to do everything all at once. So they start coaching. They're like, I'm going to do one-on-one -on -one coaching, I'm going to do group coaching. I'm going to do digital programs. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to speak at events. I'm going to do workshops. I'm going to do, and they got 20 different things. And it, it has the same result as if you had 20 people trying to leave a room at the same time and go through the same door at the exact same moment, they're not getting through or some people are going to get hurt. Yeah. Uh, so I started off with one-on-one -on -one coaching, added group coaching. Then I added my digital programs. Then I added things like the print newsletter, which you mentioned, but I didn't have them all on day one. You know, at the, earlier this year, I launched masterminds. You know, that was my first time doing uh, mastermind groups with it. So I kind of um, stacked them up uh, one block over the other, but I do it in kind of a methodical way. And I don't try to do everything all at once because then you can't focus on anything in particular. I will say uh, I like the model that you start with one-on-one -on -one coaching and a group program. And some gurus would say, oh no, don't do that because it uh, eats up too much time. You can't scale it and all this stuff. But uh, I'm amazed at how many coaches don't want to coach. They just want to look at a screen and do never talk to anybody, uh, just work on digital programs. Uh, by doing one-on-one -on -one and group coaching early on, it'll improve your hands-off programs that you create down the road because you actually have that real life experience. And, you, and even today with my masterminds, for example, that keeps my finger on the pulse uh, to know what's going on. I never want to have a business where I never talk to anybody. <laughs> That'd be yeah. pretty lonely, pretty lonely. So I, do, I don't poo poo one-on-one -on -one coaching. Now I've have my one-on-one -on -one fees are very high because I don't take on a lot of one-on-one -on -one clients. I don't want to be working with 50 people one-on-one, -on -one. but yeah, I definitely recommend one-on-one -on -one coaching for new, new coaches. Yeah. I think I agree with you. There's a lot of people out there, you know, talking up the, the group side, the one to many, which I agree with. I mean, I have my own groups, but mm. Um, I definitely started out with a lot of one-on-ones. That's where you get your experience. That's where you, you can see what your target audience, their pain points, you can see how to help them. Like you, if you don't have that experience, how are you helping them in the, in the long run? That's how I feel. Yeah. Well, a lot of people think that, oh, I'll choose a low ticket item, like a, I don't know, $50 or hundred dollar type thing, because it'll be easier to sell a lot of them. It's easier to make a thousand dollars from one-on-one -on -one coaching than it is from eBooks. I'm hoping that people would be charging more than a thousand dollars for one on one, by the way, but uh, you'd have to sell, you know, 10, 10 bucks, uh, what a hundred eBooks uh, to make that same amount. It's a lot easier to get one one-on-one -on -one client and sell a hundred or 500 of a certain product or a book uh, with it. It's not as easy as people make it sound that, Oh, you, you know, it's hands off, just to turn the switch and you're going to see the money rolling into the account right away. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of one-on-one -on -one and, and uh, I highly recommend coaches actually coach. Crazy concept. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I am right there with you. I agree. Um, so you went from one-on-one -on -one and, and you had the podcast. That's where you started kind of getting your leads from. Is that what you... Yeah, the podcast um, wasn't right away on day one, though. Uh, in the early days, it was a daily show. So seven days a week, the show was going live. It took me about six weeks to get a client from the podcast. So some people would look and say, oh, gee, well, six weeks isn't too bad. 
but that's six times seven episodes a week. That's 42 episodes, which is almost a year. If it was a weekly schedule, that would have been a year, right? With it. Uh, But even to today, my big, I say my big three, the podcast is a big one and also going out on other shows like this. So uh, guest appearances, Mm -hmm. another big one for me is Facebook, especially my Facebook group, the coaching jungle. Uh, We're up to almost 20,000 members in there. That's at thatcoachingjungle.com. They're shameless plug. Um, And finally, the other big one for me is email marketing, but daily emails. Since I started doing it daily emails in 2016, it completely changed my results with email marketing, which I was ready to give up before 2016. I thought, oh, this doesn't work. I'm going to focus on what's working. I started doing daily ones in April of 2016, and I haven't missed a day since knock on wood. So I'm a big fan of daily emails as well. But those are my big three podcasting, uh, Facebook group, and then daily emails. Okay. So, um, so in the beginning when so you said it took six weeks, that's a lot of seven episodes. <laughs> it is. I don't know. I don't think I'd want to go back to that. I'm at a weekly frequency now and I like yep. that. So, okay. <laughs> all right. And so, so the, the other thing is the group. So I love the, the coaching jungle and, uh, you have a very dry sense of humor and you, um, you show it in there and, uh, and you have a re- really big following. So what, um, how did that come about? And, and the name, how did the name come about? So I launched a coaching jungle in September of 2015. And before that I had a Facebook group, but it was only for past guests of my podcast. It had a really original name. It was called natural born coaches, past guests. <laughs> so what was happening was a lot of people were requesting to join that group, not noticing the past guest part of the name. So they were just coaches or aspiring coaches. And I had to send them all a note and say, hey, thanks for requesting to join, but this is only for guests who've been on my show. Now, at that time, there was a daily show. I had a couple hundred people in that group, uh, so it, was, it wasn't a bad-sized group. But I had to tell all these, uh, turn all these people away and tell them, no, it's not for people who haven't been on the show. So finally, I got it through my thick skull that, hey, maybe I should have a group that's actually open for all coaches. And that's when I shuttered that old Facebook group and I opened up the coaching jungle, which was open to anybody, as long as they're a real person. If it's a no picture or they've been on Facebook for a day or it's a spammer or whatever, that's not it. But it's for coaches, aspiring coaches or so on. And uh, how I came up with the name was uh, I like to do things a little bit different. I don't like boring, stale type things. There's a lot of that online. So I'd often said before this that I said building a coaching business, I I would say it's a jungle out there (laughs) and uh, you're having to hack and slash your way through the weeds and you know you're going to get bit by things and you're not going to know if you're going to make it out the other side or so on so that's where i called it the coaching jungle and the branding we went with a lot of jungle theme you know anyone joins will see me on a tarzan body swinging (laughs) on a vine yeah i don't have to go to the gym you could just photoshop your head onto a cartoon uh, tarzan body for a six pack uh, (laughs) or whatever but uh yeah i did that and had just had fun with it and that was in september 2015 and like i said we're up to almost twenty thousand members as of today so it's worked out really well yeah awesome and then the other thing that you do and you started this year was a mastermind yes yeah so um so i've had masterminds in the past and um i think that a lot of coaches find it difficult first of all it's confusing um and secondly there's like different models there's three main ones that i can think of but um you talk about that in your newsletter which um you provide a written newsletter which is unheard of in this day and age. (laughs) And I actually, I subscribe to it. I love it. Um, 
so I liked the the episode where you talked about masterminds. So I thought we could take a few minutes and just kind of, um, you know, what what um, what is the attractive piece to a mastermind, and what would you say are the kind of top things that a coach would need to kind of uh, you know figure out or um, or do in order to have a successful mastermind? So you're right. There's a lot of confusion about what a mastermind is. If you ask a hundred coaches out there, I don't know if you're going to get the same answer more than a handful of times. So uh, backtracking a mastermind, Napoleon Hill talked about it in Think and Grow Rich. You know, some of the great business titans like Henry Ford or inventors like Thomas Edison and people like that were parts of masterminds. Now, back in the day, they used to go out into the woods and camp for, you know, a week and just bounce ideas around and stuff like that. But it's a mastermind is essentially at least two brains. It could be more, but it's at least two people could be 10 people could be 15 that are in harmony and working together to help everybody who's in that mastermind. So it's different than group coaching. I've done a lot of group coaching programs in the past, but with group coaching, it's a very much a different dynamic where it's uh, usually me handling more of the calls and I'm in some ways teaching uh, with group coaching and so on with a mastermind. The way I do it is uh, my groups are a maximum eight coaches per group meet once a week and each coach that's in there has dedicated hot seat time that, that for 10 minutes, they're on the hot seat. They can use it for whatever they want to use that time for. They can ask a question. They can pick the brain of the members. They could get feedback. If they're going through a challenging situation, they can talk about that. It's whatever they want to talk about for that hot seat time. And we rotate around the virtual table. Now there's other models. Uh, for example, you might choose to do your mastermind where you focus on just one member for the whole call. And then the next week it's another one and another one and so on. Uh, the reason I chose to do it the way I did is I wanted every member to have hot seat time on each call to stay engaged. So if you were in my mastermind, Cheryl, and you were on the hot seat today, and if I was doing it the other way, it wouldn't come back around to you for another couple months. And a lot can happen in a few months with it. So I really like that dynamic of hot seat time on every call for everyone. And I mean, I'll jump in if I have something to add, to contribute and uh, something I think they should know, but I'm really there to facilitate the call to make sure that it stays on track. I'm the timekeeper as well. <laughs> and people are really respectful with each other too. I was kind of worried at first because I've run uh, hot seats 10, 15 minutes for other groups. And I thought, oh, 10 to 15 minutes isn't a lot of time, but the members are very respectful. They don't eat up the too much time. So they might say, Cheryl, um, I have the perfect solution for you. Why don't we hop on a Zoom call tomorrow? I'd love to walk you through it. So they're connecting off the call as well. And that's really cool. Amazing. All right. So, um, so for a coach that wanted to start a mastermind, what, what do you think they'd have to say, maybe top three things they'd have to kind of figure out first? Uh, well, they'd have to work out the details. I mean, if anyone wants to check out mine, if they go to junglemastermind.com, it's very clear this is what it is who it's for and the expectations. So I don't want any people who are loosey goosey or I hate flaky people and online there's a lot of flakes. <laughs> so <laughs> I, everything I do is try to weed out the flaky people. Uh, but I have certain things, the way mine's set up is it's a minimum commitment of six months. And if they choose uh, change their mind after that, there's a 30 day cancellation notice and there's some other things in there. And when I 
created that page, my web designer, she said, Ooh, do you really want to put these expectations here? Cause this could chase some people away. And I said, that's the whole point of it. I'm trying to chase away people I don't want to deal with, uh, with it. So you'd want to work out the details. That would be one your most important thing. You need to know what it is that you're selling, um, have a very clear picture on that. Um, number two, I would think would be, um, just get it launched. Don't, think you need to have a two-year window before you launch it. And number three would be sell the heck out of it and like talk about it all the time. So you can't expect to only post about it once or twice and then fill it up. You, you have to be talking about it often. And because the online space, you know what it's like, it's very noisy and people's attention spans are very short. So you want to talk it up as much as possible. All right. Awesome. Um, and then, um, so then, you you just started the mastermind this year yeah at the beginning of 2020 and you have uh how many groups uh well we at the moment we have one group going uh we had two groups with one larger and then one was smaller and i combined those two groups yeah but i mean we'll see where it goes uh for 2021 we could have a couple groups running and so on but uh i prefer the eight coaches per group some people have done masterminds with with more people I just, I find that's my magic number uh, for it, but you'd have to decide what your, your magic number is. Yeah. Okay. So, um, we're, uh, looking at for that, for this audience, we're looking at some ways to generate leads for, um, you know, the purpose of this podcast is because mm-hmm. there's a bunch of coaches out there that, they start and they, they just don't, they don't, they can't get the leads. They can't get the clients and they stop within the first two years of going into business. So um, what would you, uh, you know, kind of give as advice or um, maybe some free tips for our audience as what they can do to start generating some leads uh, in, you know, the newer coaches? Well, I'm really big on, choosing what I call three pillars. You've probably heard me talk about that where you subscribe to the newsletter. But uh, when I say three pillars, it means choose just a couple uh, ways to get your message in front of your ideal clients. Don't try to do 95 different things. Uh, I had mentioned before my three, yours could be different. They probably are. But pick uh, just a few things that A, you enjoy doing, because if you don't enjoy doing it, you're not going to do it consistently. And B, they have to work. You know, obviously, um, if you choose something that's uh, your your something that doesn't uh, gel with your people or something. Uh, an example I'll give is if your um, favorite thing in the world to do is open up your window and yell out at passersby like "Hire me, hire me." Even if you love doing that, you're excited to pop out of bed and do that every single day. That probably doesn't fit that criteria for something that works. But there's enough things online that you have certainly have plenty of choice. And then just be consistent with it. So don't expect to get rich in a day or two. Just do the work. I always say give it at least a good 30-day run. And I find a lot of coaches, whatever they're trying, could be Facebook Live videos. It could be uh, Instagram, could be whatever. They, they try it for a couple days or a couple weeks, and then they don't get clients. And then they're off to the next bright, shiny object, which I think is a bad way to do it. So anytime I start something, I say, I'm just going to start it. I'm going to do it every day. I'm not going to worry about the results. Hopefully, I get results quickly. But if not, I'm just going to keep doing it, give it that good try. And then eventually, the seeds sprout, uh, sprout from the ground. Yeah. 
And let me ask you, what happens? Um, I'm sure that over the years you've had some discouragement. What happens when you feel discouraged? I just had discouragement today. <laughs> so, oh, did you? <laughs> I, lo I lost a member of my mastermind and then about an hour later I gained a new one. So it's funny how the, you know, it wasn't that the, the person that left, it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a bad falling out or whatever. You just said, Mark, my, you know, schedule and stuff's going to be hard to make the calls. And I just, I'm not gonna be able to make many of them. I'd like to discontinue for now. And that kind of bummed me because I liked him. He was a good member of the group and, but I understood, you know, so I don't, I, I don't uh, begrudge someone for that, but then I had a call, uh, yeah, just shortly after that with one of the other subscribers. With coaching, I've been in business one way or another for 20 years or more than 20 years that I, um, it doesn't, I don't get too worked up about it. I'm able to, if I find myself falling into stinking thinking like Zig Ziglar talked about, I can get myself out of it, but let's uh, not kid ourselves. It's still discouraging. I don't care how long you've been at it or how well you've done. Um, I don't like to lose. I don't like to lose business or lose revenue uh, with it. And, um, yeah, I just make sure I don't fall into a funk. I'm not going to lay in bed all day eating ice cream with the drapes closed because I lose a mastermind member or something. You know, yeah. it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Okay. And um, and so what? As far as mindset, like, what do you what do you do when you want to kind of take your business up a notch? What What do you uh, What's your process there? Uh, well, I always focus to keep growing every year. So I don't want incremental growth. Some people are like, oh, I'll push for 1% growth this year or something like that. Uh, this ties into my last answer, I think, is keeping your head screwed on tight. We've seen this with the whole COVID-19 and lockdowns and stuff. My business is actually up a lot over last year uh, with it. And I think a big reason why it is, is I have those processes that I do every single day, the routine being the daily email and certain things with my Facebook group and I got the podcast or so on. So I just kept my head down and kept doing the things I normally did and knock on wood, my business hasn't been hurt. It's, it's grown quite a bit. If you, if I didn't have those things, if I sat all day watching CNN or something, I would be probably driven crazy. You know, my father, I'm trying to talk to him because he has CNN playing in the background uh, what do they say? Constantly negative news. And it's got the tracker with the Corona or the COVID-19 deaths and everything like that. He's soaking yeah. that in all day long. Now he's retired. So I guess he's not in business, but still not healthy to do that. It's just junk food for the brain. So I'm very careful what I let into my brain, especially here in 2020, where it's been kind of a crazy year. Yeah, it has been a crazy year. <laughs> and I hear what you're saying. There's, um, I know that especially online, just getting into the different uh, back and forth you can do uh, like on Facebook or what have you um, can be difficult. I just saw one on LinkedIn the other day, which I was surprised about for LinkedIn, but there was actually like a back and forth between this group of people. And I was like, wow, what is happening? It's, it's on LinkedIn. <laughs> Well, full disclosure, I have gotten into Facebook spats because I love politics and I'm opinionated when it comes to politics. I can't count how many times I've had to debate other coaches um, about capitalism, for example. You wouldn't believe how many uh, coaches are sympathetic to communism and socialism. But anyways, um, so, but, but I'm very careful. So I will share an opinion, but I'm also not going to spend 24 hours a day debating politics on Facebook because that's just not a good use of my time. Right. And you're not going to 
change anyone's mind or it's very difficult to. So I'll sometimes do that to shake the tree a little bit and poke the bear, so to speak, but I'm very careful how I do that. Um, one thing I've gotten much better at this year is uh, limiting my social media time. So anyone who looked at my social media would think, oh my God, Mark's on there a lot because he's doing a certain number of posts and everything else. But uh, what I've been doing is I have set times when I check in but I do what I call drive-by postings. So just like a drive-by, <laughs> someone shoots and then they get the heck out of there. I jump on, I'll post what I have to post and then zoom, it's closed, I'm out of there uh, with it. So someone looking at it would think I'm on a lot more than I actually am, uh, but I'm very deliberate with how I'm doing it because I don't want to get stuck in the rabbit hole. Yeah, that's, that's good. I like that, the drive-by. <laughs> mm. So, um, okay, so... Um... To, to the new coaches out there, anything in particular you'd like to say to them? Oh, boys, uh, how much time do we have? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Two minutes. Uh, I, what, what I would say with new coaches is while it's good to do some research and it's good to see what people are advising you and so on, uh, there's a very fine line where you can go too far uh, the other way. Uh, so I'll give you an example. I had a, a past client who had never launched her coaching business before she chatted with me. I think she'd been thinking about it, researching it one way or another for over 10 years. Oh, and um, she was the one of the most knowledgeable person about other people's stuff that I've ever met. Like she knew all the, the influencers, experts program. She just knew, you could tell she had been consuming this stuff. She was on all their email lists, bought numerous programs or whatever. Um, I could not get her to launch her darn <laughs> program because every time we're, I'm trying to push her and she said, well, I can't do that because Marie Forleo did something kind of similar or, you know, so-and-so did something or Brene Brown did something. And uh, finally, it, it, she was looking for something completely 100% unique in the online space, which is very difficult to do, mm. but it was a, a mental block there. And I, in that, her case, I saw that her problem was she'd consumed too much stuff from all these sources and it got into her head. And I said to her, I said, you need to unsubscribe from all these lists and stop. I can't believe I'm saying stop reading the books and stuff because I'm an avid reader. I love reading, but it was just messing with her head. So if you're a new coach, I'm all for doing some research, but don't get stuck again in that rabbit hole uh, with it, that it keeps you from actually getting out there and selling your stuff. Uh, I posted something the other day in the coaching jungle where instead of, um, an apple a day keeps a doctor away. I suggest an offer a day. And this is something I ask coaches if they are making sales. Okay. Did you make an offer today? You know, are you making an offer every day? And they're like, well, no, I haven't made an offer in a month uh, and they haven't been inviting people to take the next step. Well, there's probably a reason why they're not selling. It sounds like common sense, but a lot of coaches miss, miss that. So don't consume too much information and make sure that you're making offers every day. Yeah. I like that. Um, <clears throat> I always talk about call to action myself, even if it's just get on my calendar or whatever, just don't, yeah. you know, don't, don't let, don't get stagnant <laughs> in that way. Um, and I like that you talked about your books. Um, when you join your print newsletter, you uh, usually send them a book and I uh, joined twice. So I <laughs> once um, a few years ago and then I, or two years ago or something, and then I just re-upped again. And so I got a second book, which was cool. But mm. what is your favorite? um, book as far as uh, for entrepreneurship. 
Well, it'd be the one you just mentioned, <laughs> which not a lot of people know about, but it's called um, Thick Face Black Heart. And it's by Chin Ning Chu. So it was written in the 90s. Again, it's not really well known, but I recommend people check it out. So Thick Face Black Heart. Uh, a very close one to that. It's a book that got me into personal development way back in high school is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. That's a classic. I think that's a must read as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I, those two books would be good ones to start with. Okay, awesome. I did, um, I, I did have a little bit of difficulty with the Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, you have to really sit down and, and read it but it's it was, not an easy uh, read that you can fly through yeah uh, it's something that definitely every time I read it I pick up something new from it yeah. it's a tough book to explain people say what what's it about I'm like oh boys uh, <clears throat> I always say it's a combination of the art of war think and grow rich and a couple books kind of mixed together it's a very realistic look at human nature yeah. and you're basically a, adopting a warrior philosophy to life and it shows you how to be ruthless which some people hear that and they recoil because ruthless has negative connotations they don't want to be ruthless mm -hmm. but if you don't have some of that those uh, tools in your toolbox you're going to get walked all over especially in the online space with people who uh, don't respect boundaries and they try to take advantage of you and they try to get you to cut your fees and everything else so that's why i'm such a fan of that book is i think being ruthless is actually pretty good for an entrepreneur if you're doing it for a positive thing if you're ruthless and it's actually maintaining your sanity it's improving your bank account then you can help more people a uh, quote that i i love is uh, you can't light up the world if you can't pay your light bill yeah. so <laughs> that's that's a good one to remember that's that's absolutely true um i use the oxygen mask i'm like if yeah you, you, you need to put your oxygen mask on first before you can help anybody else <laughs> Um, so yeah, make a, make a living and, um, and you'll be able to help people the way you really want to. Um, so You're, whenever I talk with a new coach or even if it's an experienced coach, um, I never say, why are you a coach or why did you get into coaching? I say, why did you start a coaching business? I add those two words, coaching plus business. Now, at first glance, it might not seem like that's any different than those other questions. But what I'm trying to do is tie coaching and business together because you're an entrepreneur. If you don't have any clients coming in, you're not going to be able to coach and you're not going to be able to stay in business. And a lot of coaches don't consider themselves entrepreneurs. They, they might come from a background where they never had to sell. Maybe they were in, um, you know, corporate or, or something like human resources or a teacher, a nurse, something like that. And they think, oh, okay, well, I'll just get a certification, slap up a website and people come rushing through the door. And you know what it's like, Cheryl, it doesn't work that way. It's not, most people think they're going to be coaching 80 to 90% of the time. And then the balance will be doing a little marketing, a little paperwork or whatever. It's it's flipped. It's if you're coaching 20% of the time, that's probably pretty high. Yep. And the 80% of the time is actually finding the clients. Yeah. And the, yeah, the business side of things, I think they just have a, a hard time with it. And that's why a lot hmm. of my stuff is based around business as well. Like you have to, and you have to get used to it. Um, you have to find a, uh, even if you don't like it, you have to be friends with it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So I always say if you feel weird about the word selling, which a lot of people do, you can change it to helping. Uh, so coach I interviewed on my podcast before, every day when he left his house, instead of saying, who am I going to sell today? He thought to himself or he asked himself, who am I going to help today? And that changed it for him, made a complete difference. And that could be a way to get around any icky feelings uh, with the word sell. Yeah, I like that. Awesome.
All right. So where um, can everyone find you? Uh, so there's, I mentioned the Coaching Jungle Facebook group. That's at thecoachingjungle.com. Uh, the podcast is at naturalborncoaches.com. My whole programs, how I help people, that's at mark.coach. And that's Mark with a C. And finally, the print newsletter, which thank you for being a subscriber to. That's at secretcoachclub.com. I love that, secretcoachclub.com. And you have a freebie for uh, opt-in for or a freebie for our audience? Well, yeah, actually, um, I created something. It's a roadmap uh, for coaches. So it shows you how to get from point A to point B or point Z. Uh, so if you, if you want to get that, it's um, a PDF. It's a quick read, 10 minutes. You can go through it, but it will help eliminate confusion uh, that you have. It's very uh, simple process, but uh, something that I think more coaches need to know about. So you can get that if you go over to uh, mark.coach. Okay. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes and a link to everything that you just said. So um, you guys can check out Mark there. And thanks so much, Mark, for joining me. And uh, it was great to talk to you. And um, uh, actually, Mark and I are doing some joint venture uh, at the uh, in September. So uh, look for that, guys. And um, I'll see you on the next uh, episode. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening in today. I'm so glad we got to spend this time together. If you love today's show, please consider leaving me a review on the Apple Podcast app so other coaches can find the podcast. For more information about me, visit SuccessfulCoaches.com. For daily inspiration and affirmations, follow me on Instagram at Coach Cheryl Thacker. Be sure to send me a DM so I can say hello. Until next time, to your success.